Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. If you would open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, this past weekend, um, uh, I uh, was down in Alabama. My Aunt Peggy uh, uh, passed away. And I went down to, to be with the family and also to, uh, for the funeral service. And that was yesterday. And 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 what we are here singing about and celebrating is uh, the reality. As you as you go and 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 to a funeral service, and and as she lay there, uh, she wasn't there, but her body was there. Uh, it's at that at that particular point that the reality of what all of this is about really comes to bear. That we are not made just for this world. We're sojourners in this world. And that it, God invites us in order, in order to have eternity with Him to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. So the hope that we had, even in, in this time of, of loss and sorrow with my Aunt Peggy, was that she is not there, that just like Jesus, she is, she is risen. She is with Him. And that's a hope that we place in Him. So that, that keeps us, you know, in check as far as understanding that even as we were looking at the video before, the expectations and the stuff that's going on in this world, that, that God has created us for a relationship, but the only way that we have that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I mentioned Aunt Peggy to, to let you know, how many of you have been a part of any of our Christmas banquets at Cross Point. Let me see your hands. This is, okay, so for those of you that were uh, have been a part of that and you've made your way back to the dessert table, Aunt Peggy is the one that provided all of the cakes, the strawberry cake, the red velvet cake, the chocolate cake, and it, when she really felt good, the German chocolate cakes. Uh, and one of the things that we celebrated not, uh, in her life was the fact that Aunt Peggy was a great cook. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to enjoy some food in a little bit, and, and, and it comes from great cooks, but Aunt Peggy was a great cook, and, and, and we're going to miss those, uh, those cakes for sure that Aunt Peggy provided for us. Um, speaking of which, while we were there, uh, I, I kind of got messed up on my time. Uh, I was still on Georgia time, and uh, we missed lunch, and, and, the, and the, the memorial service was you know, at 1 o'clock, Alabama time, which is two o'clock Georgia time, and by the time everything got over, we were pretty hungry. My my sister and my dad, and and we were we were pretty hungry. We were in Troy, Alabama. Probably you don't know where that is, but we were in Troy, Alabama, and uh, they were ready to eat. They they were ready to eat. By the way, you've heard some of you've been around here. You've heard me ask the question. You know the difference between a good meal and a great meal, right? What's the difference between a good meal and a great meal? You've heard it. Dishes. One hour. There you go. Way to go, Chet. And so we're going to take about an hour here uh, before we. And so this chili is going to get. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, do y'all not get that? One hour. It doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. 
the food gets better, huh? Yeah, the food gets better the hungry you are. Yeah, so here we go. Well, today, here's the deal. Uh, we, we have been invited to, to sit at the Lord's table. This is His table. And, and nothing better reflects what we've been talking about over the last few weeks as we've been looking at different passages in God's Word. And last week, we were in, in uh, Mark, and it was in the last week of Jesus' life, whenever a lady just came in and broke this uh, perfume vase. She broke a vase. She broke a jar. And just it was all poured out for Jesus. And, and the very next thing that we see in Mark is, is when Jesus is sharing the Lord's Supper uh, with His disciples. Well, today we're going to share the Lord's Supper, and, and it's something that many of us have, have done time and time again. Uh, but I want us to, to take a step back, to, to take a, a deeper look at the Lord's Supper and really what it means to, to us, because it is a demonstration, a clear demonstration of what Jesus says, one of the hard sayings of Jesus, when here's what, he, what he's got to say, he says, if you try to hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, then you will save it. So as we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to experience the hallelujahs in our life, the reality is, is that we must let go. And, and we have a tendency to hold on to things. But Jesus uh, in the Lord's Supper is a, gives us a profound reminder of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's giving it all up. It's letting it go. And so you and I will be challenged today uh, concerning our understanding and our faith as far as what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The difference between a good meal and a great meal is one hour. Well, the, spiritually, the difference between a good meal, the Lord's Supper, and a great experience is one prayer. And it's the prayer that's at the top of your outline. Uh, so if you'll take a look at that. The prayer from the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Would you just pause right now and just bow your heads and let's make that our prayer. Just you before God, just would you make that your prayer as you prepare to come and sit at this table? Lord, we do ask You through Your Holy Spirit and through Your presence to search our hearts, to test us, to reveal Your truth, and to reveal anything that is offensive to You so that we may come and have uninterrupted fellowship with You so that we can come and by faith be able to sing as we just have. Lord, that our confidence is in You and You alone. We make that our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so the Lord's Supper is this tangible, visible symbol of what God is calling us to do. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of Me. And so before, in our passage, before we come to this table and, 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 and treat it lightly, the encouragement today is to take a good look. The, the Lord is inviting us to take a good look at our own lives, at our own hearts and what's going on and allow Him to reveal uh, His truth to us. 
The Apostle um, Paul has something to say about this in 1 Corinthians. So if you will turn there with me, 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And he's, as he's talking to the church in Corinth, uh, they were a lot like us. You know, they were messed up. They didn't have their act together. And he was dealing with people that, uh, j- just like we confront d- day to day, uh, is just didn't ha- don't have their always act, their act together. And so he is coming with some teaching and instruction on that. And so beginning with verse 17, he says to him, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Pause, hit the pause button. You know, he's saying here, you can go to church and you can actually do more harm than good. We Make that our prayer. Lord, let's don't let that happen today. In the first place, verse 18, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Verse 20, so then when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. For I received from the Lord what also... I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So then... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is, why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be uh, finally condemned with the world. So when my brothers and si- so then my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. Uh, We thank You that uh, You remind us that Your Word is living and active. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that You would take Your Word now and apply it to each of our lives and enable us to see You, Jesus, full of mercy and grace and truth, but also holy. One that demonstrated exactly what it takes in order for us to to know freedom and forgiveness. And that is to let go. To not try to hold on, but to fully trust You and know Your graciousness and Your goodness for us. Lord, we ask today, again, that You would enable us to take a good look. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so one of the things that he is pointing out here is that, you know, this isn't just a tradition, something you do at church, check, you know, check off the list. He's saying, you know, this, this is a very sacred time. And our belief is that this is a, a symbolic of Jesus' body and His blood that was shed for us. And uh, in the old days, we used to sing about that. There's power in the blood. How many of you used to sing that song? There's power in the blood. Okay. You know, and there is. I mean, the Bible is very clear that there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that that we can experience cleansing and forgiveness and freedom uh, and come together and sing as His people. But it's also pointing out there here that you just, unless you know that and you believe that and receive that, don't do this. You know, try to, to get in God's good graces. You don't do that by doing things. You, you don't experience His forgiveness, His freedom, you know, by doing things for Him. It's by receiving what Jesus has done for us by trusting fully in Him. Not your performance, but His performance of laying down His life for me and you. So he's saying uh, only whenever we have received Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior uh, into our life is this symbolic uh, act, uh, action uh, really reflective of the truth of our life. So don't do it unless you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, he said it can do more harm than good. It can do more harm than good. And, and you may be sitting there today going, well, I'm not sure that if I've uh, received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, there's good news. You can today. As a matter of fact, the explanation of the Lord's Supper uh, is a reminder of what Jesus wants you to personally know and to experience today. So let's take a look at that there, there on your outlines. When you participate and experience in the Lord's Supper, what we are doing is look. we look back to the cross. We look back to the cross. Uh, and and uh, that particular passage, um, uh, the verses beginning with verse 23, look there with me. He says, uh, For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, after the cup, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of Me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So when we come and we share and participate in the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming. We're looking back to the cross. We're, we're, we're looking back to the cross. And the cross uh, reminds us of what Peter uh, says in 1 Peter 1 up there on your outline. He said, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. He paid for you with His precious lifeblood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Several things in looking back to the cross it reminds us of. Number one, just how loved you are. How deeply He loves you. He laid down His life for you. It also should remind you of just how evil and costly sin is. I mean, this isn't just a trivial thing. It costs Jesus His life. Looking back to the cross just brings into vivid color just God, the love of God, the costliness of sin, but also it should bring back how completely we are forgiven. Because of His blood, our sins are separated as far as the east is from the west. That's amazing. When we receive Jesus Christ, we look back in appreciation because He said, it is finished. The work is done. Now some people you know, may ask, you know, how can something that happened so long ago impact my life right now today? And, and 
that's a fair question, but how can something that happened so long ago truly have relevance in my life right now today? Well, that's kind of like, well, not kind of, sort of, uh, like me asking how can something that happened 34 years ago when Felicia and I stood you know, together on the altar impact my life today? The val- Well, I would say it's had a pretty significant impact on my life. You know, 34 years ago. Now, let's go back. How can, you know, the discovery of penicillin impact my life today back in 1928? Listen, what Jesus did changes everything. And we receive that into our life. So we look back to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what we will be doing as you share and participate in the Lord's Supper. Take that opportunity to look back, be reminded of just the radical, wonderful love of Jesus Christ, but also just how sick and devastating sin is. Secondly, not only we look back to the cross, but we look up into the Father's loving face. Look up into our Father's loving face. This is, this is what we do. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Here's the deal. No one loves you. No one will ever love you more than your Heavenly Father. There's nothing that you and I can do to stop Him from loving you. So many people struggle with love and and, and receiving love and and experiencing love. But the fact is is that you can't stop God from loving you. And when you know and experience and open your life up to the love of Jesus Christ, your your whole world is transformed. Here's, Here's the deal. What happens whenever we forget how much God loves us is so often so costly. Think about that. Think about your tendency whenever you forget just how much God loves you or whenever you begin to, to shy away or shrink away from Him. Um, let me ask you, when is that? When does that most often happen in your life that you just forget? You're not, you, you, you're not sure about God's love. Are there certain times when, when that happens? And then here's another question. What about are there certain sins that you have... Uh, habitually fall into whenever you when you forget God's love we always get into trouble when we doubt God's love and so as we come here today this is a reminder that we are looking up to God's loving face he loved you so much that he gave his one and only son so we look back at the cross we look up into God's loving face and then we also look in to Jesus living in me that's what this this is what the Christ in you the what the hope of glory. We look into Christ living in me. Jesus had this hard saying in John, is on your outline, 6. He says, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood live in me, and I live in them. The living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So it's just a reminder that Christ lives in you, that Christ lives in me. And when we, when we acknowledge that, it changes everything. When, when, when we acknowledge that, we are okay when things don't happen like we thought that they should happen. When things aren't like they were supposed to be. It's okay because we know that Christ is greater than them all. That He is the transformer of our lives. Look in to Jesus living in me. And this is an opportunity as we receive the bread and as we receive the cup, uh, symbolically that Christ is in 
us. Christ is in you. And nothing changes that once you've received Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And then, number four, we look around and ask God to use me. As we come to the Lord's Supper table, this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're looking to Christ and all that He's done for us, but we're also, what Paul, what Paul is exhorting here is that we look around and we ask God to use us. Paul says this in Romans 6, 13, Give yourself completely to God. Every part of you, since you've been given a new life and you want to be used as a tool in the hands of God, used for His good purposes. The first place we look in this and what Paul is encouraging is, is we need to look at this. We belong to each other in God's family. We look around to God's family. In Corinth, they had three big problems in the church, and this is what Paul is coming to them about. You know, he's saying, guys, you've got three problems. Number one, he was pointing out that they had members in the church that had unresolved conflict. Now, we just think about, you know, living in America today that, you know, yeah, there's some people that we don't like, we don't get along with, and so, you, you know, there's enough people. I mean... How many millions of people are right here in just north of Atlanta? We, there's enough people we can just forget you and go on to somebody else. And we take that mentality, we sometimes bring it into the church, and Paul says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We look around to God's family and we go, wait a minute, this is a demonstration of the unity of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he's getting on to them. He goes, listen, you are arguing with one another. You're disagreeing. People are taking sides. Uh, and this is a problem. This is a problem in the church. But number two, he's saying another problem is that you're acting like the Lord's Supper is just for individuals. I mean, you're just kind of blazing on in there. And it's like some of you are going to have the tendency to go jump in there and, and, and be the first in line for the chili. No, you can. You can. That's different. Okay. It's, it's, uh, uh, matter of fact, if nobody's first in line, then we're going to all be waiting a long time. So I want to encourage you to do that. But um, they were just busting in there and you know, they, they were just doing it themselves. They were, they were thinking of themselves. But here's the deal. The, the Bible not once ever says that for me and you to take the Lord's Supper on your, on your own. It's not an individual thing. It is a body thing. That, that He is exhorting us to do. It's a symbol that we are part of the body of Christ. Never are we commanded, you know, you just go do it on your own. No, it's done in the context of relationships that we have with one another. And so they were acting like it's just about me and, you know, I get my fill and then we're good. And that was not a reflection of the love and the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ and what God sent Jesus for in the first place. Number three, he's saying the problem is you know, you're so self-centered and so self-absorbed, you're oblivious to the needs of other people in, in, the, in the body. There were, some rich, there were some rich folks and there were some poor folks and uh, they weren't taking care of each other. Some people were coming and eating and other people, you know, ended up leaving hungry. And he's getting, that's a problem. Here's what he says in, in verse 18 and then 20 and 21. I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat because as you eat it, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. And then he says here, one member goes hungry while another gets drunk. In the church, you're going in the church, in the church. Basically, what he is talking about is it's, it's a self-centered, all-about-me kind of mentality. Paul says that has no place in the body of Christ. Um, 
so preoccupied. He's, he's really exhorting them. They were so preoccupied with themselves, with their agendas, and there was no margin or no sensitivity for others. What, you notice here it says, whenever you come together as a church, the, really the exhortation there is that when you come together, when you meet as a church, how many times do we you know, talk to people and say, yeah, you know, I believe in Jesus, I'm a member of a church. Well, where do you meet? And they go, well, I don't. Well, wait a minute. You do. That's what he's saying is in order to, to experience what God has for you, we come together as the body of Christ. We do life in the context of community. That's why it talks about communal community. Unity in community is God's way of displaying His love and His grace to a lost and dying world. When you come to church, he's saying there needs to be harmony, unity, not politics which divides, not picky preferences, uh, but we come and we look to the needs of others. We create margin. So he says, so dear brothers and sisters, when you gather at the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. There's a larger principle here. The church should be the one place that we put one another's needs above our own. That's what he's saying. That's the expectation. Why? Because we see that in what Jesus did when He put your needs before His own. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but He laid down His life for me and you. So here's some practical things as we are making that truly our prayer. Search me, O God, as we're taking a deeper look. You know, can I give examples of of where I put the needs of my brothers and sisters in Christ ahead of my own, spiritually, maybe emotionally or physically or financially. It can, as I'm thinking about my life over the last months or whatever the case, are there times where it's very clear that I've put the needs of others before my own? That's what he's pointing out here. Another question, do I know anybody, I'm aware of anybody in the body of Christ that has a need? And you're going, ah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't hang around these folks that much. Well, um, ask me. <laughs> I, I can share with you a lot of needy people around here. No. Um, if you've got a need, you're going, ah, I don't know. Just put right on your Connect card. Come and share that with me. Because that's what he's pointing out here is that we need to look around and ask God to use us. And it starts right here within the context of the body of Christ. So we look back, we look up, we look in, we look around, and then he's saying we look forward in faith. We live by faith, not by sight. We look to our future in faith. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until it is finished on the day of Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. As we stood at Aunt Peggy's casket, I knew that that wasn't the end of the story. This life is not the end of the story. This life is not the end of the story. Communion teaches that. In John 6, 53-54, Jesus said, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink uh, His blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But those who do eat my flesh and drink my blood, have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. The Lord's Supper is a reminder that we need to be thinking about the future, not just about the here and now, 
but about eternity. That we're in the land of the dying, but God is calling us to the land of the living. So here's a couple of questions that we think about this. We look forward in faith. That we ask ourselves, we're taking a look here. Am I using my life, my time, my resources uh, for as if that's what really matters? That this is not the end of the story? And, and, and is my lifestyle reflecting that this is not the end of the story? Is what I'm investing my time in? Is it what I'm investing my resources in? Is it, is it reflecting that this is not the end of the story? You know, when uh, growing up, I can remember when you know, my dad was trying to teach me some financial principles and then, you know, it's like, hey, you need to save for retirement. You know, and I went, that's gross. You know, are you kidding me? You know, I'm not even getting that much. You know, no, you, you, get, you need to save. You know, here's some principles here uh, because you're not always going to be able to, you know, work. You need to save for retirement. Uh, so uh, if, you know, if you, if you practice that and you do that, whenever it comes, it comes the time, you go, sweet, this is good. If you didn't, you're going, man, I wish I'd have listened. You know, um, what, what this is saying is this. God wants me and you to invest in the spiritual retirement of people. This life is not the end of the story. So that they can know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Uh, am I investing in the next life in eternity? You know, we're going to hear of ministry partners at, the, at our luncheon and opportunities for the good news of Jesus Christ to be shared. Am, am I investing in the future? Jesus is coming back one day, what He says here, to judge and reward. In verse 26, He says, Every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death. That's past. You're announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. That's future. To share in the Lord's Supper means that we look back. We're taking time to say, Jesus, this isn't just a, a meaningless product. No, this is a vital, vibrant, symbolic act of my faith in Jesus Christ. Where I'm trusting, I'm looking to what you accomplished for me on the cross. God, I'm looking to, and being reminded of just how much you love me through your sacrifice of Jesus, your Son. I'm looking in here and being reminded, Jesus, that You live in me and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm looking around. I'm looking around, making sure that again, that I, I'm, this is His table. This, this is His table. And what He will say through Your Spirit is like, for instance, if I've got something against you or some issue, He, he gives us real clear mandates. Go, go and make that right. And it may be before you receive the Lord's Supper today that, that you go to someone and you say, listen, I need to ask your forgiveness because I've had a bad attitude toward you. I, I, I've not been forgiven. You go, oh, that's what, no, that's God. <laughs> we look around and, and then we look, we look forward knowing that we're going to live by faith and not by sight. Um, as we come here to the to the Lord's table. Paul, it's there in that particular passage that Paul does remind us through this expression. He said this, I want you as followers of mine to do this in remembrance of me. Uh, not just a ritual. This is a practice. And he said in this body which 
represents my blood, my body. I mean, this bread that represents my body. When you receive it, receive it in remembrance of me. Know that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And then it says afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this blood represents the new covenant. Not something you have to do. It's what I've done and you receive that. My blood which will cleanse you, make you white as snow. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. So we're coming to his table. And if you've never shared with us in this and you are a follower of Christ, we do invite you to do this to share with us in this. And you will take a piece of bread and you will dip it into the cup and receive that in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Receive that acknowledging that you are letting go just as He did. You're letting go of your preferences, your expectations, and you want to just simply follow what it is that He's calling you to do. In just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity as, as the music plays behind us just to reflect, to to take a look, take a good look. Allow Him, open and ask that prayer, pray that Psalm 139 prayer and ask Him to search you, to reveal to you anything that He would have you to do before you come to this table. Because what Paul is saying, don't do this frivolously, don't treat this lightly, but to acknowledge what it truly represents. And he said, as we do that individually and corporately as the body of Christ, then there's power in that through which the world can see and experience what it really means to know the true living God. So I'm going to ask God's blessings on this and our elders are going to come and there will be placed in two stations, one over here and one here. And after you've had a moment of, re of reflection, the worship team is going to be singing a song. When you're prepared, then I invite you to come and to receive these elements. As... Uh, a demonstration of your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Also, it's an opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, for you to come and be able to, to worship the Lord um, through your tithes and offerings. But I'm going to ask His blessings on these elements before we do. You take a few moments to reflect, and then when you're ready, you come and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. Father, we do thank You for this opportunity. We thank You, Jesus, for um, the sacrifice that You made for us. We thank You for Your Word, which is an encouragement for us not to, to mindlessly or thoughtlessly come into this moment, but to allow this to be a powerful reminder of the sacrifice that You made for us, and but the eternal difference in receiving You by faith makes in our lives. We ask your blessings on this time as we share in celebrating and receiving your supper, Lord Jesus. Bless the bread and the cup. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.